Welcome in, everyone, to another episode of No Place Like Mahomes. I am Sean Deegan, and we have an awful lot to get to, so let's introduce the guys and get to it. He enrolled in tight end university to show that he is more than just a blocker. Sam Blecka is on the podcast. What's going on, man? I'm just trying to revitalize my career and be the next Dunn. So, Jason Dunn, if no one knows who we're referring to, the greatest second left tackle that's ever played the game. He enrolled in tight end university in the hopes of finding a babysitter. Jacob Allen is on the podcast. What's going on, bud? Uh, not a whole lot, but uh, Sam, Jason Dunn's 40 time was pretty crazy, too. And I am Sean Deegan. My application to tight end university was rejected. Right before we get into the topics, uh, use this reminder one more time. We are moving the podcast permanently, at least for the foreseeable future, to Thursdays when it'll be released. So just be on the lookout for that. And had a couple people reach out asking where the podcast was on Wednesdays uh, last week. So just again, Thursdays is when the podcast is going to be released because we're recording now on Tuesday nights and it takes about a day to get things edited so that we're tolerable. Also, if you like us and you're listening on a system that will allow you to rate us, maybe throw us out a nice rating and pass it on to somebody you think might like us. And if you don't like us, pass it on to a friend of yours who has nothing in common with you. Maybe they'll like us. So let's go ahead and get to the topics. And this one is one that I had seen the quote And then, Jacob, you brought it up here just uh, earlier today as a potential topic, and it was really interesting, so we actually ended up making it the lead thing to discuss today. And that is the comments that were made by Greg Olson, former one of the top tight ends back in his day for the Panthers. Um, And I believe he also played for the Bears, but somebody checked me on that. You're correct. And the Seahawks. And the Seahawks. I knew there was a third one. Couldn't remember which one, but I got two out of the three, and that's better than most of the times for me. He made a comment here recently, and I'll go ahead and quote it here. Quote, we have to do the same blank that $15 million left tackles, that a $15 million left tackle has to do and run routes against the same guy that a $15 million wide receiver has to run routes against, and they're going to pay us $7 million, close quote. Greg Olson obviously not thrilled uh, with the compensation that tight ends are getting on average for what he deems is a more dynamic position than maybe what you do at left tackle it's a very uh, specified thing versus wide receiver was a very specified thing sam you actually brought this to my attention prior to the podcast i won't go into too deep of it but tony gonzalez made similar comments way back in the day uh back in 2014 i'll let you discuss the actual comments but they were very similar to the things that greg olson was saying at least in in theme and heart so we thought we'd pose the question here where do you stand on the comments made by Greg Olson? Um, Jacob, since you brought up this as a potential topic, we'll go to you here first. Greg Olson's comments about tight ends not getting paid enough for what they do. Where do you stand on that? I stand on the fence and I've trained for many years in order to do so. Uh, this is Dwight Schrute of the podcast here. But seriously, that is why I brought it up because I could argue either side of this one. Of course, the normal human being in me says, boo-hoo, you know, go make millions of dollars and whine about it. But then the analytical mind of me is like, these guys' careers are four to 15-year careers. Right now, I'm siding on the, I don't really feel bad for Greg Olson. I get what he's trying to argue, but I don't fully agree with it until we get more Travis Kelsey's is my initial thought on this. And I'll have more follow-up as you guys bring up your points. 
Sam, what about you? Greg Olson thinks tight ends should make more on average for what they do than what they currently make. Where do you stand on his comments? I guess my question to you, Sean, is do you want me to go ahead and dive into what I broke down on this? I think you should okay. come out both barrels loaded and fire off. Let's get it going. So I took this, I, I, I emulated my mortal enemy on this podcast and Jacob and turned into a math teacher and broke down the statistics on what Greg Olson's comments actually are, because I was interested, you know, are these valid comments? Now, when you look base numbers, when you just look directly at what these guys are being paid, yes, tight ends are not nearly as highly paid on average per year as the wide, top wide receivers and top tackles. That's obvious. But what I wanted to look at is, you know, how does it break down when you get away from those top couple? What, what are we looking at once you get away from the, the kind of outliers within each group? So within the active NFL, and I got this information. Yeah, I got this information from over the cap. Kind of had a decent breakdown of, of the, stat, the salary numbers on all these players. But based off over the cap, there's 205 active tight ends in the NFL currently. Within these 205, per average, 2% of them make $10 million or more a year. So pretty high amount, or not, not a high amount on that sense. When we look at wide receivers, 7% of 391 active wide receivers make $10 million or more. So really not too much more. That's not a huge gap overall. And then the tackle one does make a bigger gap. We're looking at 11% of 209. So that's a little bit bigger gap in that one. So as far as the top end, it's evident the tight ends are not making as much. But when we get into, I broke it down to how many players are making $5 million or more in that, in that range. Now within tight ends, you had 9%. 9% of tight ends in the NFL make $5 million or more. Wide receivers, 10% of the 391 wide receivers make $5 million or more tackles a little bit more 17%. So as a base, yes, the top tight ends do not make the same amount as the top wide receivers, but I do think there is a production variable that you have to look at that a George Kittle and Travis Kelsey change games. That is true. Deandre Hopkins, Julio Jones have at times been game breakers. And what I mean by that is Kittle and Kelsey, where they are consistent production makers, I think when you have a Julio Jones in his prime, it's a little bit different type of skill set. And I think the, the big thing I'm, I looked at was what is the projection of the, the overall base salaries looking like? Because I think tight ends are lagging behind all these other positions. They've always been seen as not the skill positions that wide receivers are. And so the first thing, the main thing I wanted to look at is the top rated tight end drafted this year and the top, the first wide receiver. What are the average salaries that these rookies are going to make? Obviously, Kyle Pitts was the top rated tight end taken this year. Kind of an outlier. We don't usually see a tight end go with the top five. But his average base salary, he actually just signed today. His average base salary is going to be $8.2 uh, $8 million. So that's going to be his average base. Jamar Chase was taken directly after Kyle Pitts, and his base salary is going to be $7.7 million. So we actually have a tight end that's going to be making more than the top-rated wide receiver that was taken this year. So I think that shows that this skew is actually changing. 
So I think this is an argument that why I brought up the comments of Tony Gonzalez is because it, it's an almost an outdated argument. It's an argument that's been happening for a long time. That was 2014 when Tony G brought that up. The fact that it's still happening shows that, yeah, it hasn't changed 100%. But I think Greg Olson's view is because he played in an era where, yeah, tight ends were not as valued as they are now. Five years down the road, I don't think this is going to be a conversation that is as prevalent because I think you're going to start seeing more dynamic tight ends that are the game breakers. I think George Kittle and Travis Kelsey are the first of those, but there's going to be plenty more to come that are going to raise the, the overall value of these tight end salaries. So, sorry, I took it, took a little bit into that one just wow. because I thought it was interesting. That might be the most well thought out and well researched thing that's ever occurred on this podcast. <laughs> uh, can I, can I get my uh, 30 second research that I looked up? Yeah. <laughs> It was, I was just looking at average salary. Now, keep in mind, this is all of those, you know, 291 and 390 uh, out of guys. It was like the average tight end makes 1.6. The average wide receiver makes 1.9 million. But I like how Sam broke it down because it's like, okay, if you're good, what do you make? Because obviously the average here tells you nothing. Like, well, how does that, how do those numbers play out? But my question back to Sam then is, are we okay saying, you know what, let's throw out left tackles sorry not left tackles let's just throw out tackles because how often are tight ends expected to block at the level of a tackle and not a wide receiver because wide receivers block a lot too yeah but is it fair to really even compare tackles that's what i'm asking us as a group of should we just shift the wide receivers or i don't think it's fair i actually started I, i stuck with tackles i actually started by breaking down the entire offensive line like if you just accumulated offensive line it actually broke out almost identical to the how the wide receiver and tight end kind of fit into that mold so i think when you look at just how our offensive linemen paid it kind of fits the same general mold where you're seeing your top ends the five million dollars sitting about ten percent and the highest level sitting a little bit higher than tight ends but i don't think it's a fair comparison because where tight ends, I, I'm, I'm not saying any position in the NFL is not required, does not require a high amount of skill. But now that you're protecting hundred million or uh, $500 million quarterbacks, those offensive linemen are, are relatively important. They're, they're kind of an important aspect of your, of your team's future. And so paying the best left tackles a lot of money makes a little bit of sense. <laughs> like, that's just the reality of how this, how it plays out. Um, and right tackles, I think Jacob's brought it up on the podcast before. I think the salary, we talked about left tackles, but the salary right and lefts are going to even out pretty quickly because I think, again, you're seeing teams with two dominant pass rushers most of the time. So I think tackle, you can't really just say left tackle anymore. You just have to say tackle because I think it's going to be relatively even eventually. Man, I think this kind of changes the way I viewed it because initially my thought was, well, yeah, like, when I look, because I, I looked it over the cap as well, I certainly didn't do a deep dive like that where it was well thought out and like actually like broken down. But, oh, I have an Excel, I have an Excel spreadsheet made. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping Sam will be sending that to Sean so Sean can publish that to the Facebook page. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm going to need that, Sam, when this podcast is done. That, our draft analysis wasn't that in deep. <laughs> yeah, we usually get what, like 50 interactions on a Facebook post. That one yeah. would get three. <laughs> yeah. Us, us going back to look at it, and then one person that accidentally clicked on it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But like, I remember looking at it and thinking, "Oh man, like, you know, DeAndre Hopkins' average is twenty-seven million. 
you're looking at Julio Jones at 22, 20. And I remember, and like Tyree Kill's fifth on the list. And at the time, he was thought to be a bargain because of the contract he signed when he signed it was in the midst of the second wave of potential allegations against the allegations against him that there might have been more abuse, which again turned out to be false. But that's that was kind of where my mindset was at. But now to me, I think it is it is more of a conversation of where maybe how long is it before we start to see wide receivers and tight ends match up more because I agree I think you throw out tackles you know you're talking about a position that you can't really quantify by production in 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 the same way that you do tight ends and wide receivers and to your point Sam you're you're protecting a massive investment like you just bought a half a billion dollar house you're not going to not put a security system on that like or hire people to then you, guard your house are you going to pay for the security system first or buy the ferrari that's the question which one which one comes first in that exactly. so i think you do kind of have to shift away from that because there there are more quantifiable statistical breakdowns that you can use to show how tight ends work you know travis kelsey is not the norm when he's fighting for the league lead in receiving yards. George Kittle's not the norm when he's, you know, breaking Travis Kelsey's receiving record two years ago. This is, these are uncommon traits, but as you said, Kyle Pitts goes number four. And now we have a conversation of, okay, how long, you know, when do you think we'll see this as maybe more common where the top tight ends are thought of in the same way as the top wide receivers? Cause it seems like we are trending that way based on what you said. And can I, I just want to throw one more thing in for, to throw out tackles basically at this point. It wasn't like this year when the Chiefs played the Saints, the Chiefs, because Greg Olson's comments were like, I have to go against the same defensive backs as the wide receivers. Yeah, I agree. I have to go block the same guys as the offensive tackle. I don't remember Travis Kelsey blocking Cam Jordan, you know, <laughs> 95% of the game. Because again, the tight end blocking is, hey, you chip this guy or, you know, we, we double on a guy together or you take a corner off the edge or a linebacker like that. So again, I do think we should just focus directly on the receivers. Like we are trending to at this point, unless you're Jason Dunn, at which point you maul Cam Jordan. No, I think the this conversation is it, it, it's hard because it's not like Greg Olson played a millennia ago. Go. It, it's not even like he played when Tony G played. I think they probably overlapped at some point, but they were kind of in different eras as far as what the tight end was viewed at. Today, the tight end is very different than it was six years ago in all reality. And Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Darren Waller, these guys are changing that for everyone moving forward. It's kind of like the same conversation that we, in the same vein as the conversation quarterbacks, are any of these quarterbacks that are going to be coming up for contracts worth the same amount of money as Patrick Mahomes? No, I don't think so. Are they all going to get paid the same? Yes, because Patrick Mahomes set that precedent. And now tight ends are going to be the same way. Now that we're seeing tight ends making more and more money, now this is not going to be an overnight change. It's going to be something that takes longer, and it's going to come with a development and a change in the position skill set itself Go watch the videos that come out of that tight end school that uh, Travis Kelsey and George Kittle put on, and it shows the skill set that these guys have and how it's changing compared to, I would say, even compared to Antonio Gates and and Tony Gonzalez, because I think Travis Kelsey is a very different tight end than those guys are. 
So it's it's just like anything within the NFL. It's why running backs 10 years ago were valued a lot more than they are today. Tight ends are going to be valued a lot more coming moving forward as their skill sets adapt and as the NFL tries to mimic the Chiefs or, or, or the 49ers or the Patriots with the dual, dual tight end system. It, it is a, it's just the alteration of the league. The league changes every 10 years to who gets paid the most. And tight ends, I think, as the skill set changes, as you get more and more talented players into those roles, they're going to demand a higher salary and it's going to, you're going to start to see that change. And and that's, I think the biggest thing that, that I saw with the, with the breakdown that I looked at is the skill gap between the high rated tight ends and the low rated tight ends is ridiculous. When you look at the top four tight ends versus the next four, it is a completely different game. And until that's fixed, you're not going to see a price drive on the high end guys because the low guys aren't going to be paid regardless. So until you start seeing the lower guys starting to get that, that higher salary because they're worth it, the high guys can't come to bargain at the table because they're like, everyone looks at it's like, Oh, well, I'm paying the fifth best tight end in the league $4 million a year. Why should I pay you 20? It's just, so that's, that's a big aspect of this as well. All right, Sam, then to ask your, you a question here, who are the top four tight ends in the NFL? Top four paid or top four skill-wise? Who do you think are the top four tight ends in the NFL? Top four tight ends in the NFL, in my opinion, I'm looking at obviously Travis Kelsey and George Kittle are by far, I think they're a slight step above most other players. Darren Waller is my third because I think he he holds a, a skill set that neither Travis Kelsey or Kittle have, which is just size and speed. The fourth one, this is why I asked you for a fourth one. I think there's there might be a skill gap between that. I think it might come to what's the Dolphins tight end name? Oh, Jacecki. Mike Jacecki is a. I think he has that skill set. I I don't know if he's kind of proven it yet, but I think he does possess the same skill set as those guys. But I think there's several guys that have that ability that maybe just haven't kind of peaked yet. And so I think that'll be interesting within the next couple of years to see if you do start to see that skill gap start to close a little bit. Yeah, no, it will be. And so that's why I asked you for the top four, because it's like that is a very specific number that I want to hear us trip over, because I do think it's easy to be like, yeah, tight ends now are awesome. Kelsey, Kittle, Waller. There's other (laughs) guys. But if you look at the receivers, you're like Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins and other guys that my mind's even blanking on. I had the list for tight ends in front of me, so it was easy to roll those off. Devontae Adams, Stefan Diggs, Calvin Ridley had a good year. Justin Jefferson came out great. Tyreek Hill, DK Metcalf. Well, I think, and just side note, I think I said four because Jonu Smith managed to make $12 million from the Patriots somehow. And so he was like up there with them. So that was just the four that, I think there were four that were making that over $10 million or something in that range that were, Yeah, the four that are there are Kittle, Kelsey, Hunter Henry, and Jonu Smith. Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith both given massive contracts by the Patriots to go back to that two tight end set they used to run. To your point, Sam, about like it's gonna it might be a slow roll. Mike Jacecki is not even the highest paid tight end on his team. (laughs) Adam Shaheen beats him out. That's a fake name. It might be. (laughs) And then you have 
Darren Waller, who I, I agree, I think is the third best tight end in the NFL right now, but he is, he's average contract salary per year. Again, this is not necessarily like the total guaranteed, but just his average per year is exactly half of what George Kittle is getting. Like this is, this is where we're at. So even your top guys who have been around a little bit, you know, Darren Waller is not a rookie. He's 29. That means that his era has overlapped at least somewhat with an era where his position was not valued. And unfortunately he's at an age now where it's like, are you going to get that next contract that's going to look like Kelsey or Kittle? And if he continues to produce like he has been, maybe he will. But I think, I think you're, you're right, Sam. I think Kyle Pitts might be the turning of an era where even if he's the top guy, which he very well might be athletic, athletic, athleticism, skill set, overall talent, he might be the next, you know, stud at that position and set the trend. But if he can be your first 20 million plus guy at tight end, all of a sudden that water falls down, hopefully, and sets a new average for, for the rest of the players in that position. A couple more things on this is if you go, one of the biggest telling signs is if you just go look at the average yards per game of tight ends versus receivers, I think we're going to, I think I can almost get to the point where to say that Greg Olson's comments are, you know, not true at all. Cause of when you look at their yards, you, your top three tight ends, 94 from Kelsey, a game, again, Kelsey had the best season for a tight end and then 79 and 74. But then after that, so those are the three guys we talked about. It's 50 yards, 50, 47, 46, 45. If you look at the receivers, it's, 100, 100, 100, 90, 90, 80, 80, 80, 70, 70, 70, 60, 60, 60. So it makes sense to me. And then if you go look at their touchdowns, Kelsey was tied with uh, fantasy football favorite Robert Tunyon of the Green Bay Packers with 11 <laughs> touchdowns. So people know who that is because of the touchdowns. Because like, okay. And that's exactly another thing on top of all that is think about for those of you that play fantasy football, it's like, okay, if I didn't get Kelsey, Kittle, or Waller at this point, I'll wait to draft a tight end until like round nine or 10. We don't value tight ends even. You just don't realize it because you don't have to pay these guys. I think Olsen's completely off at this point now, really diving in. You know, if I would have done research like Sam beforehand, I would have had more of a ground to stand on. But at this point, I'm like, no, Greg Olson. Actually, the NFL is paying the tight ends for the production that they do. They're catching up a little bit. And like you guys say, I think that's going to be the biggest thing is Kyle Pitts is going to be kind of the turning point of all of this of, okay, tight ends are an integral part of the passing game. We'll pay them for the production they put up. Yeah. And that, that's, I think that was the point kind of, I was, I came to was that I probably should have that, that Jacob, we need to collaborate on this uh, spreadsheet to add in the, the production versus pay and really get some, some formulas put in there so we can get some cool statistical breakdowns done here based off production and that's where that's where I get I get Greg Olson's comments and and what he was arguing is that oh tight ends do on occasion stay in and block for the run very rarely do you say man look how well that tight end blocks you'll you'll see man he's he's an admirable blocker at times Travis Kelsey he gets in guys way very well a lot of times <laughs> I'm not saying he's a like an all-time great blocker but he's very good at adding to the run game in that sense so I, I think per production tight ends do get paid 
relatively close. Now, when you start looking at Travis Kelsey, that, that's the hard thing is we come, we're coming off a year where a tight end was the second leading receiver in the NFL. And that skews things so hard because it's like, oh, well, look, look how much production he just put out. And, and that's where you start to think, okay, how much, when do you start having to almost reclassify tight ends as new wide receivers? as a new position. Cause they're not the same. That's, I guess that's the true point. Are these really tight ends? Are we, is like, is it, is it the tight end of the traditional sense that, that, that we have ingrained in our mind as, as football players or, or football fans of the big body, not quite fast enough to be a wide receiver, not big enough to be an offensive lineman. So they, they find this weird kind of niche role. So that, that position has, now become the H back. And that's what those guys play because they're not skilled enough now to be what tight ends have become. And just to clarify real quick on that before Sean goes on his, just because I want to clarify for the people that don't know, Tony Gonzalez wanted to be considered a wide receiver when he was trying to get paid in order to bump up his pay grade. And so that was what Tony Gonzalez had done for anybody that didn't know that previously. Cause I know we have a lot of people that are new to football and new to heavily supporting the Chiefs and again all sorts of fans are great yeah Jimmy Graham did the same thing that's actually where the comments uh, Sam you sent me were sent us were were from was Jimmy Graham was trying to be classified as a wide receiver before he got franchise tagged so that he could get the most money possible I think that this position and here's your your sports cross-reference for the day from me is going to look an awful lot in terms of transition like the NBA and the small forward Back in the day, you had a point guard, a shooting guard, a power forward, and a center. And then you had this guy that didn't really belong anywhere. And he was just your small forward. He could kind of post up, but he wasn't big enough to really dominate against great post defenders. He could play a little bit on the wing, but he wasn't a great ball handler. And then LeBron James happened, and the world changed. And all of a sudden, you could be 6'9", 260 pounds, and play on the wing and handle the ball and not just play on the wing and handle the ball, but control the pace of the game, dictate the offense. You basically played point guard from small forward. He started it. Now you have Giannis, the Greek freak on tip, whatever, I can't and pronounce his name. He plays for, he plays for the Bucks. <laughs> Come on, Sean. Freak. I love him to death, but his last name has always eluded me. You had guys even before him, like Dirk Nowitzki, who were like, I'm a, before LeBron, it's like, I'm a power forward, but I play on the wing and I shoot. These positions have continuously evolved. You know, most guys now play on the wing. There are very few actual post players in the NBA. True guys are going to put their back to the basket and they just play on the post the way a guy like Tim Duncan or Shaquille O'Neal or somebody like that would. Now they all play on the wing. So I think when you're talking about tight ends evolving at the position, I think you're not going to see the quote unquote post player the way that they used to talk but that was the thing that like they talk about tony gonzalez he was this big body physical guy that kind of post guys up and so he didn't need great separation now you have guys like travis kelsey george kittle darren waller and now you know what we think kyle pitts is going to be who can create separation who can you know get the ball can uh, get the ball downfield stretch the field who have the ability to take on the best corners in the nfl you know, that was one thing that was always very prevalent to me was whenever the Chiefs would play the Broncos, Champ Bailey found Tony Gonzalez and he followed Tony Gonzalez. And Tony usually had a tough day against Champ Bailey. Travis Kelsey in 
embarrassed Denzel Ward at Cleveland. He embarrassed him. This this is the transition we're now seeing. So I think yes, the top the the position may not catch up yet, but I think we've started to see that quote unquote LeBron transition where it's oh I can be six five to six seven and I don't have to be an inline blocker and I can just play the slot or even you know swing out to the X position. I think this is where we start to see that transition. And I think the numbers will follow. Yeah. yeah when, and then, when is Sean, do you know offhand when Darren Waller's contract? Cause I know he just signed an extension. Do you know when his next contract is going to be up? I can find out. Yeah. If you can hard. see when the next, like who we classify as, as the next big tight end is going to be, because one thing I just, I just thought I kind of thought about is I had mentioned earlier the, because the lower level tight ends don't get paid in a competitive manner to the guys that are up at top, the guys up at top struggle to push that salary up. We actually just saw that because John U. Smith and Hunter Henry just signed massive contracts. They are not top level tight ends. In my opinion, John o. Smith's good, but all he is is an end zone threat. If you are a fantasy football fan, again, you know that because he would score a touchdown for the first seven games of this last season. And then he disappeared the rest of the season <laughs> but Sorry, so we actually did see those guys get that contract something that's kind of new that maybe not the top end tight ends are getting paid closer to that level of the top end guys so why i was interested to see when D- darren wallers because he's the youngest of the group so sean yeah darren wallers doesn't expire till 2023 okay so that's he's got a while so I, I i don't know who that next to your, to your top four mike jacecki's contract is up after this season he gets paid where he kind of falls within that. Now he's another guy that I don't know if his production is going to warrant because I think he he has the skill set to be that next guy. But I how how well is his production going to warrant getting paid will be the kind of question with him. But after this year of seeing these two tight ends get paid, especially considering how much the the cap will likely go up next year, it'll be interesting to see what a what who we consider a very high level tight end is going to get paid this next year. Just, you know, two more things on this. And these are my last two, I think, unless Sam gets me riled up like he usually does. <laughs> but another thing to keep in mind is Travis Kelsey put together five 1,000-yard seasons, this one being a 1,400-yard season, which is always kind of my benchmark for an elite receiving season. So when I go back historically look at, and look at guys, like when I was looking at T.Y. Hilton this year, I'm like, you know what, how good was T.Y. Hilton? I see a 1,400-yard season, and I'm like, okay, you know, he was kind of that next echelon type player at one point. Kelsey put up the five in a row. No tight end had recorded five 1,000-yard seasons in general. So, again, that's just another thing to think about. It's just they're not in the same place as the receivers are yet either. So, like I said, time will tell. And one more just, you know, twist Greg Olson's words on himself. And now, granted, this is a little ridiculous, so stay with me on it is if Anthony Sherman came out and said, you know, all we have to do the same crap that the $15 million, let's just say guards, because they're usually the ones blocking the inside linebackers, and then we have to run the same routes against the $15 million corners and linebackers, and they're going to pay us $1 million, it would be ridiculous. So Greg Olson has a semi-point of – hey, you know what? Tight ends should be getting paid more. Well, yeah, they're starting to, and they're probably going to be. But again, Greg Olson, tread lightly, because if the fullbacks were complaining, you know, five years ago, you saw what that did to that position. 
this is this is my last question for this topic because we could probably continue on and we've been on it for a minute because it's a this is a really interesting topic but just real quickly here you have whoever it is the top tight end at their position contract comes up on their rookie contract sam i'm going to come to you first how much are you going to pay that guy on average per year on his next contract knowing where we're going with the tight end position and this is hard because another and i won't dive into this because there's another full loophole that we could go down and just drag this out but what tight ends are typically more susceptible to injuries because they are doing a lot more of the th- they're, they're much more physically demanding plays a lot of times than what we see with a lot of wide receivers so with that in mind i'd actually be willing to pay them on a shorter contract more money i think because i wouldn't want to run the risk of paying a long-term contract necessarily now this comes down to each tight end travis kelsey has proven to be able to stay pretty healthy most of his career and so he's kind of warranted getting longer term deals, but I, it's almost to the point, like if I'm talking Darren Waller, if I, if I'm signing Darren Waller to a contract, I, I think I'm fine giving up to, I mean, moving up to 17, $18 million a year, but on a shorter deal, because I, I don't trust a lot of these tight ends. If, if they are a more physically get or minded tight end, the guy that does bang a lot more than, than your, Travis Kelsey, who is a very elusive tight end, he doesn't get hit hard very often. I'd be more apt to pay them more in a short period than stretch it out over a longer period and kind of pay less each year. So I think I'd be willing to move up to the $17, $18 million range for a, for a top end tight end. Jacob, you've got the top tight end at, at his position, top in the NFL. Rookie contract is coming due. You've got to work on that extension. What's your average per year you're willing to give that guy? What's his production? What's that compared to the top eight receivers? Because I, I want to be just like the NFL and pay them as little as possible, but also pay them a respectable amount. That's that's my answer. And again, I think that's pretty much what's happening. I think tight end is finally starting to be respected as an integral part of the passing game and being given the ball that much. Just to wrap it up, if I had Travis Kelsey type production, I would be very okay going to 20 million per year. If you're doing five years of more than a thousand yards, five years in a row, doing fourteen hundred yards receiving, I would be fine with twenty million per. Again, I think you said it best. You both said it best in your own ways. But production will dictate. But if it's Travis Kelsey type production, and Kyle Pitts athleticism, and he's not getting hit, 20, 20 million as a starting point, I don't have a problem with that. Speaking of best at your position, and how do you fare against the rest of the NFL? Pro football focus, the, if you're on Twitter a lot, the now consistently maligned pro football focus by a lot of uh, the fandom, NFL fandom. I think analysts, journalists, and broadcasters are probably much more apt to go deep into pro football focus and, and give them the credit where, where it's earned. But fans have been really frustrated with pro football focus a lot lately. And because there's nothing else going on in the world of the NFL, we decided to dive into their most recent release too. And that is their top 50 players in the NFL right now. So this is after the 2021, uh, 2020 season, where do they rank everybody in the NFL overall? Four Chiefs made this list. And in order, they were Patrick Mahomes at number two overall. Travis Kelsey at number three overall. That might honestly be the biggest surprise out of the Chiefs for me is that he was number three overall. Down at number 17, you had Tyreek Hill 
or excuse me, number 18, Tyreek Hill. And then at number 19, Chris Jones. A lot of names to get through. We're not going to do a huge dive on, on every player on this, on this list. We're going to keep it fairly Chiefs centric uh, overall, but we might give a little look into another player here or there, but just first off, your guys' reactions to the top 50 list that Pro Football Focus released and that there were four Chiefs on it. Uh, Sam, I'll come to you here first on this one. It was obviously warranted, the four that made it. I, I think this is an interesting list because it's not the most valuable players. I think that's what people misconstrue when they first look at it is they immediately jump to this is the most valuable player. or the, And it's not because if it was most valuable player – the first 32 picks would be quarterbacks most of the time. <laughs> this is the overall best player. And PFF, I, I really – someday I want to just really get into what they do and, and understand how they break it down because they break down every snap of every player the entire season. And I really want to know what their staff looks like. Like how many people do they actually have to do this? <laughs> is it just one guy in a basement that they just hook up to a Twitch while he's watching football? But no, Sam, it's it's that building that everybody has in their town. That's where they work out of. Okay, nobody so knows what's in that building. There's no like, exterior windows. Yeah, that's pro football that's focus pro- operates out of every single one of those buildings in every single town. People think it's Bitcoin mining. In reality, it's just a bunch of football. <laughs> but um, and, and that's the hard thing is is it, it is a lot of stats based information that's what they're doing so the four that made it are very stats based oriented players as far as they show how good they are based off the stats they produce now Patrick Mahomes evident Travis Kelsey very obvious and Tyreek Hill pretty pretty well fits that mold Chris Jones is hard because I think again he's a guy that has a name and Patrick Mahomes kind of the same way where they they have that name where I think it immediately skews our view towards them especially as Chiefs fans. But I do think that the four that made it well-deserved. I honestly don't think there was another player, which may skew or kind of hint at our next conversation, that that deserved to be on this list as a whole. So I think the four that made it were the four that deserved it. Jacob, what about you? When you got a chance to look at the list and saw the four that made it, what was your reaction? Yeah, when Sean told me the list uh, before the podcast, when I quote unquote looked at it you know I wasn't really shocked just just like Sam the one that did so kind of surprised me was Chris Jones being so high because I guess I don't know I I go I'm so up and down on Chris Jones that I, I don't think it's fair for me to really share thoughts on him you know it's an emotional one for me so I'll just I'll stay out of it on that one but the other guys I like uh I mean they're the way they're putting it together is who had the best season last year. It's not, it's not power rankings. It's not like Sam said, it's not a, it's not a start a Madden franchise and draft the entire league because nobody would. Well, I mean, Sam might, he might draft Aaron Donald over Patrick Mahomes, but most people would not take Patrick Mahomes over Aaron Donald if they had the number one pick overall. I mean, I could probably trade for Patrick Mahomes some point. So if I really wanted him, I could, I could get him. It is Madden. That's true. I would. Here's the key, Jacob. I would make sure I had the first pick so I could get Aaron Donald, and then I would trade a fourth, and then like three picks the next year to ensure I got the second pick and get Patrick. Love. That's how I'd do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I don't. That's have any how Madden worked. 
uh, Sam, you gotta, you've, you've got to remind, or you got to remember, I need at least like, 30 minutes into a podcast before I start doing any research. So you just said that. So I need at least 30 more minutes before I respond to that. I- I'm with you. I'm not surprised where guys were at based on their 2020 seasons. I think it was pretty fair. I will, I will lead us into kind of the next part of this discussion in that Tyron Matthew was not on this list, which in a vacuum I would have been fine with. Again, it's it's fifty players who had the best season. You can you can make a lot of arguments for because uh, it's every position on the field. So you can make that argument. Maybe he's not a top fifty player. My problem is that there were five, maybe six safeties on this list ahead of him, and that's that's my only real gripe. You know, Justin Simmons for Denver. Okay, I'll, I'll listen to that. That's I can we can have that conversation. Sorry, Sean, as local uh, Denver resident, where did he rank up? He was a top 25 player at 23. Oh, my goodness. You know what? Keep telling them that he's there. <laughs> Broncos, keep keep overpaying guys that are very average. Harrison Smith at Minnesota was at 32. I don't know much about him. I didn't watch Minnesota play a lot, so I, I, I can't speak to that. So Harrison I Smith is a, is a baller. Okay, he's so a I, very good safety <laughs> So I'm not gonna be upset. John Johnson at Cleveland at 41. Then you end up at the at the bottom with Marcus Williams at 48 in New Orleans. You're gonna tell me all of those guys are better than Tyron? Like that's that's the problem. That's the part I, I have an issue with. And I know we've talked about like Tyron Matthews like willingness to take gambles and risks, but he also is is a phenomenal player, whether he's at playing deep safety, whether he's in the box whether he's playing kind of a robber role where he's floating, he's in the nickel. He does so many different things. His ability to blitz and help and run support. I, I had a really hard time understanding how he didn't make the list considering how many other safeties were there ahead of him. Again, I didn't watch all of them. So I can't speak to, to some of them. It just, it surprised me that there were that many safeties on the list ahead of him. I have not watched them all, so I'll put that out there right now. But it just surprised me that a guy who's as versatile and as important to the defense that he plays on as Tyron Matthew is did not make the list. Maybe I'm missing something, but what were your guys' thoughts on math? I mean, Sam, you kind of said it earlier, like it's not – you weren't surprised that it was just the top four. Why, why do you think it's not a surprise that Matthew didn't make the list? So purely based off of stats, you mm-hmm. should think – Tyron Matthew would be in this list because he had the third most interceptions this last year with six interceptions as a safety. But the reason I'm not surprised is Tyron Matthew does a lot that we love as Chiefs fans because we watch him every game and it, it, it doesn't show up in the stat sheet. There's a lot that he does. And, and I know because PFF does watch that very closely, they obviously have a way of quantifying that in some way, but they also look at a lot like the, the interceptions how many of the interceptions that Tyron Matthew had were kind of thrown to him or not great passes that he he did very well to get on, that he kind of played that center field role, but wasn't some spectacular play. I, I don't think this was as dominant of a year as we've seen him have in the past. And I don't think that's anything to do with his fault. I think he had to fill a very different role this year in run support because I don't think our linebacker play was – specifically well uh, or, or did very well our secondary was down its most integral piece for a while in Bashard Freeland before Sneed really started stepping up in the beginning of the year so he had to kind of fill that role of being the 
taking over that side, making sure everything filled there. So I think because it was a different year, I, I don't think it was his best year we've seen as a chief for sure. And it's hard because as we watch him every year, we know how important he is to the Chiefs. We know what he does for the Chiefs defense. I just think based off everything he had to do, it was it just didn't show well in, in the stats and didn't show well as far as what he did as a pure safety, basically. So it's it's a weird conversation because stats wise, he really wasn't down a whole lot. But I don't think he just in my opinion, I don't think this was as good a year as last year or the year before it was for sure. And I think they ranked other players playing a lot better, potentially on worse teams. Honestly, they're probably doing more on worse teams just because that's all they have. Uh, but but I, I just don't think he he had as good a year as he had the year prior. I think that's a that's a fair statement, and that probably definitely skewed things towards why he was left off of the list. That's a valid point. Jacob, do you have any thoughts on Tyron Matthew not being on the list uh, or the top 50 players for PFF? I think Sam covered it pretty well. I mean, pro football focus, you know, their metric, it's kind of hard to say, you know, how do you grade some guys? And I, I wasn't overly shocked. If it was a top 100 list, I think, you know, nationally people will recognize them enough. But top 50, it is kind of difficult. But then I do think you're valid too, Sean, like, well, would you take these guys in front of him? I mean, I can certainly tell you for Justin Simmons, I would not take him. I've seen him burn many a times by just fast receivers. Last thing for this topic here, again, these are kind of quick hitters going forward, but last thing for this topic, which non-chief who who is left off of this list do you think should have been on this list? I'm going to go first here and just get my name out. And even if they're not, even if they're on the list, is there a guy you thought should have been higher as a perfectly acceptable answer? My guy, I was blown away. And I know we've talked a lot about his performance against the Chiefs, but Lamar Jackson not being on this list surprised me. Because while his performance against the Chiefs is not great, statistically, it's, it's easy to find those games. And, but he's still an NFL MVP, and he still had a very good year last year on, on a playoff caliber team so that that one did surprise me I didn't think he'd be like you know a top 15 player or anything like that but him being left off the list entirely was surprising Jacob did you have a guy on that list that you thought should have been higher or a guy who was left off that you looked at and went man that surprises me real quick Sean before uh and this is there's not I I I just find this interesting because that was my initial response was Lamar Jackson actually how many yards did Lamar Jackson have passing last year uh, I don't think he cracked four four thousand. I think he, he did was not cracked three thousand. He had two thousand seven hundred and fifty seven yards. <laughs> so that I actually and, and I'm not I'm not trying to bag on you because I actually had the exact same thought that Lamar Jackson was like, man, he didn't make the list. But that is one thing to think about that this is 2020 that we're looking at that year specifically, not his MVP year, and that's the that's the key to to this list. I think really is that a lot of times we like to look at players as a whole when we start ranking players and it's like, Oh, he's so good. But we're always thinking previous years combined with what he did last year. So I thought that, that just kind of, that was kind of a point I was actually going to make and you kind of made it for me. So, well, I'm happy to help. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry to rain on your parade, but I was just like, well, I'm glad I know. Cause like, I, w- I would not have guessed that at all. I, I, it was just one of those things that like, he's, not played well against the Chiefs, but he's still Lamar Jackson. But no, last year really was 
clearly a down year. Man, come on, Lamar, I'm fighting for you here. <laughs> Jacob, what about you? I can't come back to you. Guy left off lists or down on the list that surprised you. Well, uh, let me first say I misread this question because I thought it said, which chief do you think got snubbed? So I was thinking through the entire Chiefs roster, and I was like, uh, uh, I, I don't know. So then I'll go with the uh, actual question, non-chief of 2020, Orlando Brown. Why didn't our guy get any love in the PFF list? Because, again, if I wanted to know who wasn't on the list, I'd probably have to have Sean read it to me because I only saw the top, I think, the top ten. And so I do not have great knowledge of this one. And I'm just going to say Orlando Brown, because he is a non-chief. And I thought this was about the Chiefs players. <laughs> Say what about you? Non-chief who was lower on the list than you thought or left off the list entirely, not named Lamar Jackson. Just uh, <laughs> put a little more salt on your wound, Sean. Guess who had more yards than him? Passing? Drew Locke. Oh, come on, Lamar! <laughs> so, okay. God. No, but but no, it, like again, it was. I actually I, that was my initial reaction was Lamar Jackson because my brain immediately went to he's he's a really good player. How did he not make the list? Last year wasn't a great year for him, and that that's kind of a good argument for Tyron Matthew. Tyron Matthew, I think, still had a better year than Lamar as far as when you can swap, but I don't think it's as good as he's been in the past. But mine is actually a, a rookie last year, and it's uh, Justin Jefferson mm. um, out of Minnesota. I mean, again, I think the touchdowns that he he didn't have, he only had seven touchdowns. So that's not – that's probably why he didn't make it. But 1,400 yards as a rookie, that's pretty impressive. And I think outranks, in my opinion, quite a few of the guys that actually made the list as far as wide receivers go. But, no, I, I think he would be my guy if I had to choose one, like, I like that. I love that they put Dak Prescott on the on the list as the 50th player. But the pro, my problem with that is, again, what I brought up is that this is the 50 best players in the NFL. And why I dislike having Dak Prescott on there is Dak Prescott is the 50 most influential player because we saw what happens when he's not on the team. He didn't play last year. How can he be the best player? That's that's my question is he did not play much. So how are we quantifying putting him on the list? So there are some of the there are some players on this list that I'm like, does he deserve to be on there? Is he does does that count? But but I don't know. It's it's an interesting conversation. But again, if I had to put one on there that didn't make it, I, I would put Justin Jefferson. Speaking of your top 50 players and kind of going and sticking with Tyron Matthew specifically, Boy, that guy is having a field day on Twitter. Uh, so recently there was some speculation on Twitter about an Instagram story that Tyron Matthew had. I don't know if those are recorded. I can't find it anywhere. Where he said to a waitress, he was at a fancy restaurant with his family. They asked, oh, is that a special occasion? And he apparently, again, coming off the Twitterverse, could have meant anything. It's an Instagram story and it's nowhere to be found. But he said celebrating a new deal twitter exploded and went bananas and then tyron did an improv impromptu q a on twitter and somebody asked him about the deal he said i signed a new landscape deal he then retweeted out and deleted a tweet from cbs sports hq with the highest defensive backs not including safeties this was specifically corners 
showing the average per year for, for corners at the position. And all he said was, oh, and then deleted it once it had been out there for long enough to get everybody riled up, including me, clearly. So we just wanted to go real kind of, again, kind of quick hitter stuff. But we do want to go around just kind of get an idea of, okay, seems like we're zeroing in here. Let's, let's revisit this quick and find out, okay, how long do we think before an extension is announced for Matthew? Um, Sam, I'll come to you here first. How long do you think it'll be before this is it's finalized? At this point, I, I think it could be right before training camp or right, right before like the beginning of the season. I'm not training camp because obviously that's already occurred, but, um, or mandatory mini camps, but the, I think right before the season starts, it, you could see that extension occur. Again, he's not causing any kind of stink. He's obviously, I think he's not pleased that he hasn't gotten an extension. Obviously that's, that's evident. I don't think it, you'd be dumb to say he's not, that he's happy right now, but he's not causing a stink. He's not threatening to hold out. So I don't think the chiefs are the front office is pressed to get it done immediately. I think they want to work out every aspect of the deal and make sure it's a good deal for both parties. And so I think I, I could see it really dragging out almost up until the season starts, which would be weird, but it's just not a, it's not a pressing matter because he's not making it a pressing matter. I was going to say like, he, he may not be happy. Chris Jones is way more vocal about being upset. He didn't have a deal and they got him taken care of. So your, your point is valid. He's probably not thrilled. He's not signed an extension, but I'm sure it'll get done. I think before the first preseason game, is when we'll hear an extension is done. I think we'll be in training camp and right before and right before the first preseason game starts, the extension will be finalized. Jacob, what about you? When do you think this deal finally gets signed up? Well, first off, let me say, I thought you said when the pants come on, I was like, everybody knows life is more fun without pants. <laughs> <laughs> JJ's not wearing any. that drum for years, man. So you ain't got to Who be- needs pants? This man right here doesn't. Sorry, I didn't mean to wake you up, but I will keep my answer simple. I was not going to be so specific. I was just going to say before game one of the season. <laughs> simple as that. Literally, literally any time between now and the first game against the Browns. That is, that is a, probably the most accurate answer. Out of curiosity. One, one dollar, Bob. <laughs> oh, it was well, that kind of answer. When, when it is done, because again, we're throwing darts here at and when we think this is going to get get finalized, we all believe it's going to, but it's just a matter of when. Where do we think the numbers fall? Because he did retweet the picture of all of the, the defensive backs. Safeties are getting paid a little bit different than that. There, It's kind of similar to – we could probably have a conversation about corners versus safety contracts uh, in today's NFL. Justin, your, your guy, Jacob, Justin Simmons, leads the way with his brand-new contract at 15.25 per year on average. Um, I'm very aware. <laughs> Tyron's contract was $14 million on average per year. Where do we think the numbers are going to fall for Matthew when it's all said and done? Jacob, I'll swing it back to you. I will actually use another Bronco to choose my number, and – Garrett Bowles, their left tackle, had awful first couple seasons. Then last year had a great season. They re-signed him. They didn't make him the top-paid tackle, and I could see that being similar to Tyron Matthews, so somewhere putting him in the top five for the future. So, you know, averaging around the 14 to 15 mark, I'm going to say probably three years. I don't think they'll commit much longer than that. And 
I think anybody that listens here knows I'm team pay guys more money in less years because of how often players are hurt in the NFL. Sam, how about you? When the numbers finally come in and we get the actual contract details, where do you think that average per year is going to stack up for Matthew? Well, first, Sean, I need you to tell me how old Tyron Matthew is. <laughs> Tyron Matthew today is 29 years old. When does he turn 30? Yeah, that was my question. Ah! <laughs> okay, no, but in reality, I mean, he's... I can't believe I walked into that. I walked straight into that like a glass door. No, I think I think Jacob's right. I, I can see him being because this last year or this last year of his deal um, going into 2021, he's looking at base salary $14.5 million. I could see, I mean, falling between the the anywhere from seven to five, um, anywhere from the the $16.5 million with Byron Jones to having a similar base salary of 14.5. Cause I don't think, I mean, that's the thing is he hasn't ever complained about pay like that. That's the first time we've seen him say any really a lot about money. He, he just wants an extension. I think he, he wants to play for the chiefs is, is my gathering of this. So I think he wants to be paid for what he's worth, but he's not out there crying because he's making $14.5 million and Jalen Ramsey's making $20 million. So I, I could see him being perfectly happy being within this 14 to $16 million range. And, and I think that's, but I, I'm kind of there with Jacob where I want to see no more than probably a three-year deal with him this at this point. Cause again, 30 years old, that's, that's, that's ancient and safety, safety years. You're, you're pretty much on the money with me for three. I figured it'd be a three-year deal with an out after two. I think, Nate Taylor said something on the, the last podcast on Times Ours, which is a while ago because they are busy people and it's not exactly a week-to-week basis that it's up and down. But he did talk about on their last podcast that they did that Tyron Matt, he, he got the impression just from his sources that Tyron doesn't need to be the top paid safety in the NFL, but he needs to be the top five. Right now he is sitting at the fifth overall safety. I think if you could get him three years, 45 million average per year where he's doing 15 per, I I think he'd be pretty happy with that. I think that's probably where it'll come down. He may not be the top paid safety, but he's going to be pretty darn close to the top. All right. And our last quick hitter topic for today is uh, us saying goodbye and frankly, good riddance to a former NFL wide receiver receiver who's calling it a career, former Denver Bronco Demarius Thomas, has announced that he is going to retire. And we just wanted to give each of us a chance to give our, our farewells to Demarius, our reactions, if you will. Um, Sam, I'll come back to you first on this one. Demarius Thomas, former plague of the Kansas City Chiefs, is calling it a career. Give us your thoughts. He was the plague of our existence for about a five-year span. Any Chiefs fan will tell you that, that you hated going against the Broncos because he was just an elite wide receiver at that point. But he, he has a really cool story. Um, I think he had, as we talked before the podcast, just under a, a like that can, that last chance consideration uh, Hall of Famer career. Like if he had had a couple more years where he was that really elite receiver, I think he could make it. But he had a, he had a, he has a cool story, um, pretty inspirational story, talking about kind of how he grew up and, and his relationship with his mom. So kudos to a good career. I'm glad. We never have to see that kind of player with the Broncos again, hopefully. Hopefully. As long as they can't find a quarterback, I, I don't think we'll have that problem. 
Jacob, what about you? Demarius Thomas is calling it a career. What are, you, what are your thoughts on it? Well, that was something we mentioned uh, prior to it. I mean, Demarius Thomas broke down so quick that you almost wish he didn't have Tim Tebow throwing him the ball for the first two years because you're like, you know, I think there'd be a different conversation surrounding him if he didn't have a fullback throwing him passes <laughs> to start. But again, fullbacks do the same job my biggest one i will never forget it's the only time i cheered for the broncos was when tim tebow hit demarius thomas on the and now this is a a really a small fish story hit him on a 15 yard pass i just watched the highlight prior to us talking it was more like 25 or 30 yard pass but he hit him on a 15 yard slant that demarius thomas took for 80 yards and beat the pittsburgh steelers and put tim tebow in an echelon of playoff winning quarterbacks which is actually a very small group and just makes it more comical now he's going to be a tight end and we'll see how much he gets paid (laughs) bringing it full circle just (laughs) that is well how old is tim tebow now over 30 to the month when does he he turn over 30 a year (laughs) older than over 30 What, what age is that he's older than me i'll put it that way yeah, he is. You've got that on Tim Tebow. That's the only thing I got on Tim Tebow. <laughs> that is the best – that is the most impressive thing about Demarius Thomas's career is, is that he made Denver believe that Tim Tebow could be a starting quarterback in the NFL for one season. Uh, my lasting memories of Demarius Thomas is the, the abused Marcus Cooper game where he and Eric Decker just took turns running go routes and double moves on Marcus Cooper for – an entire game and Peyton Manning do three-step bombs just all day to his to Demarius and that was when we realized oh Marcus Cooper can't play in the NFL as a number one corner so he he was the plague of our existence kudos to him on a heck of a career definitely earned has earned this retirement in a big big way all right everybody that's gonna do it for us we really appreciate you guys taking the time with us tonight y'all stay safe out there and we will talk to you next week